Hi, my name is Keith Reed. I'm Jeff Fonten. And we would like to welcome you to the inaugural edition of Analog Bias. Yeah, um, Keith and I, for a while, have been having phone calls with each other to catch up and to talk a little about the things we're working on and the challenges we're facing. And there have been a couple recurring themes in our calls, uh, themes of technology and creativity. And so we thought it would be good to put these out there and make them part of a larger discussion. You're forgetting a very important theme, though. Uh, which which <laughs> the one? Whiskey. Oh, yeah. yeah the, right. the whiskey. That, that's a very important theme that we need in this. Yeah. What, uh, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking Balcones Brimstone. I don't know. It was a Christmas gift, and I, I'm sh- ashamed to say that I still haven't finished said Christmas gift. It's apparently blue corn whiskey, and it's delicious. And <laughs> how about you? What are you drinking tonight, Jeff? Oh, uh, I'm... Uh... I think we've talked about this in our last couple of calls. I'm still working on this bottle of Jim Beam. I need to polish it off before that, I can open anything else. That's more shameful, but it's a good standby. I can't, I, I, I can't fault you for that. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I've got some nicer stuff in the cabinet, but um, I can't bring myself to have a second bottle open in parallel. It's a. That's very OCD. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I'm sure we're not using that term medically correctly, but. Uh, Probably yeah. not. And we apologize to anybody out there who actually is diagnosed OCD. But <laughs> for you not to be able to have two bottles of whiskey open at the same time, I don't understand that. <laughs> I can't do it. I've gotta I've gotta finish this one. So I'll be I'll be working on it for a bit. But I'm making good progress right now. It's uh no, it's coming along. I pro- I'm proud of you, Jeff. Thank you. Yeah, I'm probably the only person who's gonna say that they're proud of you if you're drinking. But I <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, Jeff and I have been having these phone conversations, and uh, we are trying to get to the bottom of, I suppose, a conundrum in my life is that I recently, well, one of the issues is that I, I recently moved from Brooklyn to Dallas, Texas, and being a musician, I am trying to find a way to home record in, 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 in a reasonable manner. I suppose we should say a little bit about ourselves and in, in, in the background that we come from is that I'm a, I am a musician. I've been working professionally for about 10 to 15 years, touring and recording and uh, in general creating. And, um, and yeah, and, and, I, and I'm sadly technologically inept. <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess I, I'm the other end of, of the themes we just discussed. I've got a bit of a background with the technology, but I struggle mightily with the creativity. Um, I don't know if it is partly related to my uh, obsessive compulsive behaviors and my inability <laughs> to just sit down and focus and, uh, and produce things. But um, Keith, I've always been really impressed with your ability to deliver on projects. I mean, you're always working on new songs. I'm, I'm, just really in awe of your output. So, well, thank you, Jeff. I'm always in awe of the fact that you know literally everything that there is to know about technology. Whenever I call you, you always have a solution. I think that the appropriate word for you is a technologist. It's Am I a, using that? I don't know, man. It's such a weird word. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely um, 
I, I like the technology side of it. And I think hopefully through some of these conversations, you can help me a little bit with my creative struggles and I can help you with your technical struggles, which I think brings us to what you were getting at a moment ago, which is uh, what we were going to try and talk about tonight. Exactly. So I, like I said, I, I recently moved and I kind of have uh, separated from any sort of familiarity that I have, whether it's with musicians or studios or Jeff, you know, being very, very far away and and not really having the means to record appropriately. Uh, And, you know, appropriately meaning anything from personal use to rehearsal recordings to uh, collaborative works that I can send to, you know, to fellow musicians across the country or even across the world. Or even things for public, uh, you know, public consumption, uh, and I really need a means to figure out how to how to record ideas and music, you know, cohesively and coherently. Yeah. So you've got. I mean, I guess um, what what are the things you're trying to record at home here? Well, I've 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 a pretty good stash of instruments. Um, I'm not I'm not crazy, but you know I I I I have a pretty decent stash. You know everything from electric guitars to acoustic guitars to electric basses to upright basses to you know old keyboards. You know I have a Rhodes, and I want to record my voice and maybe even record you know scratch drums or rehearsal recordings. You know nothing 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 too crazy as far as drum miking is concerned. But you know I want to be able to make sure I get the character of all of these instruments. Yeah. Appropriately, I, I don't, I don't expect to, I don't expect to generate the same sort of sound quality that a, that a major studio can. But at the same time, I, I really would like to to have something that doesn't sound like absolute crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a pretty pretty reasonable goal. So you're trying to record the stash of instruments you have. I like that the stash is that. <laughs> um, it made me think of uh, a like a murder of crows, like a stash is the, is what a group of instruments travel as like a pack of whatever, but it's a stash of instruments. What's a murder of crows. I I hope I'm using that correctly. I I thought when you have a bunch of crows together, it's a murder of crows. Oh, you're shitting me. Really? No, I'm, I, I, I believe that's correct. I could be wrong, but that's, uh, I I have to find a way to work that into more conversation colloquially. Because that is just incredible. <laughs> but you, have, but so you have a stash of instruments. I have a stash of instruments. Could I? Could I possibly say I have a murder of instruments? I don't think so. I, I don't know. Crows are a lot more ominous than instruments, so I think murder works better for them. But I don't know if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, right, right now we will go with stash. I have a stash of instruments, many different kinds, many different eras. Just many different, yeah. even ma- many different you know, working capabilities that I really would like to get on uh, on to done to uh, on to tape. Well, so literal tape. Well, I mean, you can you can do literal tape too, but um, eventually, yeah, we called it analog bias for a reason. So uh, maybe we'll come we to both, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, let's let, let, before we get into the analog part of it, we should probably get into the basic part of it. Right. And uh, I think that the most important thing for me. As far as, as far as recording is for myself, is just to actually get a true representation of, of what I'm attempting to do. I don't want that muddled, 
digital sound that just you can't discern any of the instruments. It just sounds like absolute baloney. You know, I, I really want to have something that if I, if I were to send it to a collaborator, if I were to post it online on SoundCloud or whatever, I wouldn't be embarrassed to show people. Right. So, so you've got your instruments, some are electric, some are acoustic. Um, I think, what, did you include your voice in that list? Is that something you well, want to I capture? These, yeah. these velvet pipes, of course. Yeah. Come on. I've heard you sing. Um, <laughs> not bad. It's not bad. No, 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 it's not at all. Much better than any time I've tried singing. Um, but so, okay, so you've got your instruments. Uh, what do you have? You've you got your computer, right? So Yes, I have a very old MacBook Pro, which will provide, I'm sure, numerous, numerous, uh, you know, obstacles to get over in the future. Yeah, and and so the goal is to get get the sound onto that, right? You're not trying to go analog. You want to put it on on the computer. So for the time being, we're going to go on the computer. Cool. Um. So yeah. So there's a yeah a few pieces to the puzzle that you need. We should probably start with um, microphone stuff because obviously, if you have acoustic instruments, um, you're definitely going to need some sort of mic, and if you've got electric instruments. They always sound better when you mic up the amps than uh, than when you just plug them into the computer. Absolutely. Um, do you have any any mics kicking around? Anything you can use? Or <laughs> I suppose the only mic I have kicking around is a very very cheap Radio Shack mic that I probably got when I was in high school. Hmm. So we'll effectively say no. I don't have any mics <laughs> kicking around. Okay. Well, I mean that could work too, I, but I'm not I'm not sure that can be considered a mic anymore. <laughs> Is it, you're using it more like a mallet now? Paperweight, um, maybe. Okay. So, uh, I mean, based on what you said, you said vocals, you said electric instruments, you said acoustic instruments. I, th- I think there's only one real choice for you as a first microphone, and that's the uh, SM58. Um, the reason I would suggest that is because that is super reliable. It sounds very reasonable on vocals. It sounds awesome on guitar amps. It sounds great on snare drums. It's just it's just a really versatile mic. You know, you're never going to outgrow it. Um, you buy it now, you're always going to have a use for it, even if you buy better stuff later on. And I will not be using it as a paperweight anytime soon. No, uh, but I think it would it would do a pretty good job as a paperweight too. So Fair enough. Fair you enough. Could, you could totally replace that Radio Shack mic. Um, I enjoy, it, it, it could do the job of the Radio Shack mic across the board. The whole spectrum. I like that. Yeah. So uh, well, I think they're like a hundred bucks now. But if you wanted to go looking on Craigslist or something, I'm sure you could find one used for quite a bit less. Um, and new, they're uh, I don't know. They're going to last forever. So there's no no harm buying one used. But if you've got the the cash to buy one new, go for it. Awesome. So now the SM58, they, they also have a co- counterpart, right? The SM57, mm. and that's yeah. A, is is there any is there any point to that that there would be to looking at a 57 over a 58? Like if if I'm if if I were, if I were to buy one used and there was a 57 out there versus 58, is there a difference? Is there something that's better? Um, I I mean the the differences between them are in the grill assembly. Uh, 58 has a grill with a little bit of an integrated windscreen. Not a significant windscreen, but a little bit of one. Um, 
the 58 is definitely the one that you see everybody holding and using for vocals. And I think the reason for that is the windscreen um, and that slightly larger grill. But the 57, it's the exact same capsule inside. You know, all the internals are the same. Um, some reasons you might want a 57 over a 58 are it is slightly smaller at the head of the mic. So if you're trying to like sneak it in between drums on a drum set to get near the snare drum, you know, it might be a little bit easier. The drummer is a little bit less likely to hit it. And maybe you can get the capsule just slightly closer to a speaker if you're trying to close mic a cab. Um, but but if I'm but if I if I'm looking for versatility here and I'm not really looking to close mic any drums yeah. or anything like that, and I, but vocals are clearly a higher priority, then the SM58 is probably the way to go. Yeah, I would say. I mean, if if vocals are at all up there on your list and you're going to buy something new, go buy a 58. Awesome. Yeah, and be done with it. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's that's a pretty easy solution then, but unfortunately for me and all of the other technologically impaired folks out there, you can't just place a microphone in the middle of the room and expect it to work. I would have been significantly more fortunate if that's the way, if that's the way these things were invented. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's going to get you most of the way there when you just put it out in the room, but you've definitely got to connect it to something to get the sound into the computer, right? So, um. Oh, I guess first it has to it has to be stated that you do need the cables. Never forget the cables. Yeah, right. If, or or if, the mic stands. If you're somebody listening to this and you don't have any of this gear at home, definitely budget for for cables and for a mic stand. Those are the two things that everybody totally overlooks. Mic stands especially, and you see people like using like coat racks and tape and trying to like hang mics off of whatever they can to make it work. That's, that's what I've seen. That, that, that's been my favorite one is when you walk into a rehearsal space and you just literally see what I used to see is I used to see mics that were hung over the sprinkler systems in rehearsal spaces that people just like, it looked like a lasso that they just kind of like tossed the mic up there, got it over the sprinkler pipe and it's just kind of dangling there because clearly they didn't have any extra mic stands. Right. And right. I mean, you can see how people overlook that in their budgeting because like a really decent mic stand is 40 bucks somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, so if you need, if you need five of those, it's an extra 200 bucks you weren't planning on. Um, but Definitely, definitely plan on that and get a boom stand because uh, it'll just help you a lot. Um, but anyway, so we got a mic, we got cables, we've got a stand, um, and the last piece of the puzzle, we're going to keep this, I think, today in the realm of hardware and we're not going to jump into software or anything. This would be a very, very long podcast if we, if, if, if we got into software at this point, but... Yeah. We, but now, now we're getting into a little bit more of the complexity of, of of where we're going. I think that this is partially where it, the microphones that that I always can kind of grasp. We're getting into the part where you generally lose me now. <laughs> yeah. Be, before we jump off the topic of software, though, I uh, as we're recording this, Ableton Live Nine came out earlier in the week, and I've been playing around with it a little bit. So we'll probably have to come back to that in a later episode. Um, Absolutely. Well, we, we're probably going to have a whole episode just dedicated to software in general. Yeah. Because yeah. there, is, there is some really cool stuff out there. Totally. Um, but so, yeah. So, all right. So, we've got the mic, we've got the cables, we've got the stand, we got to get it into the computer now. Um, you need an interface, like a, a USB interface um, or Firewire. Uh, but when you talk and, up, go ahead. 
Yeah, I was gonna say it's like what, what do you what do you exactly mean when you say interface? Right. So right. if you just go on like sweetwater.com or if you go I don't I think the Apple store even sells stuff, but um if you go to Musician's Friend or preferably your local music shop, um they're gonna have preferably. a lot of Yeah. And if, uh, if they even exist anymore. Right. Hopefully. <laughs> um so uh, if you just go in and ask about interfaces, what they're going to have are a bunch of boxes that connect to your USB port or your FireWire port. And then on those boxes, they have microphone jacks or quarter-inch jacks to plug your instruments straight in. Um, and those interfaces really provide, they do three things. Um, they have three roles. The, the first thing it does is it takes your microphone or instrument signal and it brings the volume of that up significantly. It, that part of the interface is called the preamp. So that's that's step hey, one. You, you can buy auxiliary preamps as well, though, right? You can. And mm, maybe after we go through the other things, we should circle back to that. Because, um, yeah, there's there are definitely reasons to go buy external preamps. But I think that's um, maybe beyond what you need to consider right now. But, okay. But yeah, just just to go it's through. Good to know. Yeah, right. Simple answer for you. Um, I, think I like that. I, li- I like simplicity in this. Yeah. <laughs> so just to go through the the three things there, you got the preamp. Uh, step two is the analog to digital conversion. So that's taking the analog signal that's coming out of the mic preamp and it's converting it into a bunch of zeros and ones that your computer can understand. Um, and then the last piece of the puzzle is actually taking those zeros and ones and getting them into the computer. So this would be the part that is the USB interface passing the signal into your software in the computer. Um, so yeah, as you were getting that, Keith, you can buy all three of those components separately. Um, and when you do that, you typically start talking about significantly better sound quality and versatility because you can buy a really nice analog to digital converter, and then you could go buy like eight different preamps. And uh, But how much better sound quality are we talking here? I mean, is this something that, so for example, what's, what's, what's a good example of an all-in-one sort of system that, that you're... Right. Um, oh, there is a bunch of examples. Uh, I was, let's see. Before we did this, I took a look online, and um, the stuff that jumped out at me in the realm of like two-channel interfaces, and that's something we should come back to too, is how many channels you need. Um, but in the realm of two-channel interfaces, you can spend anywhere from like 150 bucks to 600 or more. Um, and the one that grabbed my eye, which is at the, like the $600 end of the spectrum, is the Apogee Duet. Uh, I mean, that thing, I've heard them, they sound great. The, the mic preamps sound really good. Everything about those devices is really solid. Um, as you get down to the bottom, you've got, I think the one that grabbed my attention at the $150 price point was the Focusrite Scarlet 2i2. Um, and it's a lot less expensive, I think. Well, so if we're, if we're going to talk about something like the Focusrite, because um, clearly the Apogee is just going to be better. It's 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 a higher price point. It's going to be a better sound quality. But if you're talking about the focus, right, and it's an all-in-one package, would there be any point in buying an external mic preamp to to hook up to 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 send to send through that? Would you? Well, I'm sure you would. But would the would the general person be able to tell 
for for my purposes, would you really be able to hear that much of a sound quality difference, or is it minute, or is it huge, but it just doesn't matter? So maybe before we get to like external mic preamps with that, the sound quality difference you're going to hear between the like the Focusrite and the Apogee, you know, the $150 and $600 price point. Right. Um, I mean, if you have a trained ear, I think you would hear a difference and you would have a preference for the um, the Apogee. But if you aren't doing an A to B comparison of the two things, there's no, for the purposes you're talking about, there is no reason that you need to go get the Apogee. Um, the Focusrite is going to give you the sound quality you need. If you ever, you know, once you've gotten used to it and you feel like you're really fighting with the constraints of something like the Focusrite, if you think, you know, I really need something that sounds a little bit better, yeah, okay, maybe it's time to start looking at something like the Apogee Duet. But um, I don't see a reason that you need to go out and spend more, more than, uh, you know, the bottom the bottom end there. I, I think it's going to be totally sufficient. When you start talking about external mic preamps, it actually muddies the water even more. Um, if you if you buy something like the Focusrite, you know, as I was saying, there are like three pieces to the puzzle in a preamp, and two of those can really have an effect on the sound quality. There's the preamp, and there's the analog to the digital converter. Um, the last piece of it, actually getting the signal into the computer should have no bearing whatsoever on the sound quality. But um, it's really both of those pieces that are important. So if you went out and bought you know, a $2,000 mic preamp to plug into your Focusrite, you're going to be running up against the limitations of the analog to digital converter in there. That's probably going to be um, degrading the sound as much as a preamp is. Um, so I would suggest not going off and, uh, and buying an external preamp for that interface, because you're you're battling against the analog to digital converters as well. It's when you start going up in price point, both of those things, both of those components improve, and then you get to a place where you can start talking about, okay, you know, maybe I I want a different characteristic, I want a different sound, maybe I'll go look at a different mic preamp, but right. but there's no need to uh, to do that where you are right now. I mean, you're really talking about trying to to work as a recording engineer when you're when you're at that level right exactly if if i really wanted to get that sort of sound quality if if i if i was really looking for something like that i would probably just be going to a professional studio <laughs> I, I i don't i don't i don't need to spend the $2000 on a mic preamp probably right i, right. I think that's I totally think valid totally. um i did go right. off and buy ooh, just hit the microphone I uh, I went out and and purchased um, a pretty nice set of preamps, but what I was trying to do was exactly what you were getting at. You were saying you would just go to a studio. I was trying to pull some of the capabilities of some of the quality I've worked with in in studios and have that capability at home. But that was the justification for going out and buying the preamp, and and that's really helped. Uh, but for the goals you established, I think. I think uh, something like the focus rate, just a built-in right would a built-in would work fine. It'd be totally perfect. That is super relieving to hear. Yeah, because <laughs> be mainly because I don't want to spend two thousand dollars on a mic preamp. Let's be real here. I mean, I'm sure it would sound great, but oh yeah, you can do a lot of stuff with that two thousand bucks. So 
Exactly. If I it, with that two thousand dollars, I'm pretty sure I could set up my entire home studio recording situation. That would sound pretty decent, including the mic stands. Including the mic stands, exactly. Yeah, and, and some awesome cables. So one of the things that I, I do want to mention is, you know, anytime you're dealing with interfaces like this, like the Focusrite or the Apogee, um, because of the USB component, because you're plugging this into your computer, you are relying on software of some sort from the manufacturer of that interface. Um, and I know, Keith, you bought my original Mbox a number of years ago. Way back when. Yeah, and I'm, that thing was great. But not too long after you bought it from me, Digi, uh, DigiDesign announced that they were no longer supporting that. Still hold that against you. I know. I'm, I'm really sorry I, about that, man. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you knew that was about to happen. I had no idea that was about to happen. But <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give you a good price on the next one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So um, shortly after you bought that from me, they announced they weren't supporting it with new drivers anymore. And that would have been fine if you didn't ever upgrade your computer. But at some point, you know, you always get pushed into upgrading the operating system or something on your computer. And it wouldn't work anymore. Um, and that's something to watch out for with all of these boxes. It's not like there are is any one company out there that has a much better reputation for supporting these drivers than other companies do. Um, but it's if you're looking at a device that was released maybe four or five years ago, as opposed to a device that was released in the last 12 months, there's probably a reasonable assumption to be made that the box that was introduced more recently is going to be supported for a longer time into the future. So, right. Which you don't want to be left with that frustration because software frustrations are always the worst. They are, and especially with Apple. Because getting, there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> well, and Apple's gotten really aggressive in the last two years with software releases on their operating systems. Um, what Mountain Lion came out back in July, August, and, uh, and then Lion came out the year before that, and Apple said they're on an annual release cycle for operating systems now. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so this, is, this problem's only going to get they're worse. They're going to run out of cats to name it after. I, I think they're yeah they've peaked out. I mean they've gone to the biggest of the cats and and now they're yeah. going back down in size. So I mean maybe they're just going to name the next one Tabby Cat or Alley Cat and just go to the like the least cat the lowest common denominator so that they can just start building it up again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to have to to get away from the big cat theme, but maybe they have to come up with a cat's natural predator or something that would eat the cat. But I have no I I, I don't know where they're going from here. They could go to long extinct long. cats. Oh, they could. Yeah. I mean, basically, saber toothed tiger is the only one that really comes to mind. But they've already named something tiger. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sure they'll come up with something. But <laughs> I, I, I would. It's not more, our problem to worry about. I would be more amused if they went completely backwards and named it after the most harmless cat possible. <laughs> that's that's my suggestion. What's his name? Tim Cook. Take that. Take that into consideration. <laughs> but yeah, so I think I think that covers most of um, most of the discussion there about about an interface. What what other questions do you have kicking around? Well, let's see. So we got from we got pretty. We, so we got from the instruments into the microphone. 
and you know from the microphone into the interface. And we got the interface that we're probably going to have two channels is what we should work with. You yeah. can get one channel, you can get four channels, you can get two channels, you can get 20 channels, I'm sure. But two channels is what's going to work best for me because then I could record vocals and guitar at the same time. Or yeah. you know, I, I could record my upright bass and mic the, the fingerboard and, and the sound hole. I, I, I could mic you know, multiple different things. At that point, I would also need multiple mics, but yep. you, 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 could, you, could actually, you could absolutely do that. So we've gotten from the instruments into the mic, the mic into the interface, which I don't need a $2,000 mic preamp. We've covered that. And into the computer. I think that that's, honestly, that's a pretty good starting point. Yeah, I'm glad you, you brought up the channels again, though. I, I said, let's come back to that, and I forgot. Um, yeah, two, two channels does seem like the right thing for you. As you mentioned, you can buy any configuration out there, but um, what you're talking about, you can record two sources at the same time. One other really, uh, really cool characteristic, if you have a dual input interface like that, you could do stereo miking techniques uh, if you had two microphones. So you can use that to capture like a nice stereo stage. So if you had a bunch of musicians over and you were trying to record a rehearsal or trying to record a show, you know, that interface would also cover that use case. So... Yeah. Overall, two channels. It's the most versatile. It is. You're, it's not going to leave you for a, a, a want of a, a, anything more, really. It's you yeah. Know? It's it's the right uh, price point. It's the right economic uh, cost benefit. I don't I don't know what the right term is, but um, it yeah. It's um, it makes for, the most sense for your goals. That's what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're from the instruments into the microphone, from the microphone into the interface, and the interface goes into the computer via USB, FireWire, Thunderbolt, Lightning Bolt, Hurricane, Tornado, whatever connection you have these days. Right. I'm not up on the terms, but <laughs> it will go into the computer, and then I'm pretty sure we're going to cover and probably what it's going to be at least a 12 part or 12 part episode on software because that's just going to be, that's going to be epically long. Yeah. It's going to be a mini series. It's going to be its own story line, its own arc. Um, well, we'll leave you on that cliffhanger then. Yeah. So I, I hope that this has been helpful because I know this has been helpful for me, Jeff. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think this was a good one. And next time, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, the creative half of the equation. Um, I'll but, be I'll be a little bit more use there. Yeah. Thank you, uh, anybody who's listening. And uh, well, you can find us online. Oh yeah. If if if, if you feel like interacting with us, and the uh, the site is is what Jeff. Analogbias.com. And uh, you can find me on Twitter if you want to get in touch with me at Jeff Vautin, V-A-U-T-I-N. And uh, how can people get in touch with you, Keith? Uh, if, if you want to get in touch with me on Twitter, I think it's at Reed Keith. That's R-E-E-D-K-E-I-T-H. I will tell you right now that I do not check it. It's like a once every two month thing. <laughs> You're more than welcome to try to get in touch with me. If I get back at you, you should consider yourself lucky. But for Analog Bias, I'm Keith Reed. Yeah, I'm Jeff Vaughton, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks very much.